morning, Holy Yoga. Um, so glad to be with you, day four of Holy Week. Um, again, if you do not have your journal, it's not too late. You can, um, like every week is Holy Week <laughs> to some degree. Um, so if you don't have your journal or your guide, you can go ahead and grab it. Um, so I get to talk to you about Monday, Thursday, today. Um, and I'm just going to go straight from the scriptures. It's so much reading today. We had quite a bit that we were covering. Um, it was Matthew 26, verse uh, 17, all the way through 75. I'm going to camp out uh, right in the story of uh, the supper when Jesus talks about his betrayal and knowing. So I'm just going to pick up in scripture. This morning, join me if you've got it. Um, but Matthew 26, I'm in the voice translation, says this. Um, verse 17, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples said to Jesus, where would you like to prepare the Passover? Where would you like us to prepare the Passover meal for you? Go into the city, find a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near and I'm going to celebrate Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples went off, followed Jesus's instructions, and got the Passover meal ready. When the evening came, Jesus sat down with the 12 and they ate their dinner. Now this is not unusual behavior, okay? Nothing is out of the ordinary other than it's the Passover meal. Passover, um, as I stated yesterday, if you're in this with me, uh, it was um, about the sacrificial lamb. The uh, covenant of God uh, required a blood sacrifice for sin, the atonement of sin. And so the Passover is about the lamb being slain, that the blood of the lamb would go over the doorposts of the chosen, of the believers, of the ones who believe in the one true God, the angel of death would pass over. And so they are celebrating what is certainly the most important um, thing of the Israelite people. Okay. Um, verse uh, 19, it says, um, Jesus, I'm sorry, I said, and they ate their dinner. And Jesus says, I tell you this, one of you uh, here will betray me. And the disciples, of course, were horrified. Another disciple, it's not me, master, is it? I love that when God um, declares something, I think it calls into everybody's motive, right? He says a blanket statement to 12 people and we see that every, uh, well, more than one we see in the scriptures responds to the question of, is it me? Right? So I love Jesus. We've been talking about Jesus's questions, how he doesn't waste words, but when he comes to save, he does ask the question because it does expose motive. But when he says this blanket statement, I just want to let you know someone here is going to do this. Everyone, I assume, would be like, me? Do I not know myself well enough in, in the face of God, in relationship with God, that I don't know myself enough? So I think it's kind of a healthy question. Like, is that me? Could I do that? And another disciple said, it's not me, master, is it? In verse 23, it's the one who shared the dish of food with me. That is the one who will betray me. Just as our sacred scripture has taught, the son of man is on his way, but there will be nothing but misery for the one who hands him over. That man will wish he had never been born. At that, Judas, who was indeed planning to betray him, said, it's not me, master, is it? What's interesting about his response is he asks, and so, so does the other, the other disciple that questions it, but he says, it's not me, master, is it? 
he asks of his master. But what's interesting about Judas is that we know in scripture that sin is always crouching at our door and that we must master it. If we must master it, it means that sin has the capacity when it's crouching at your door to master you. God says master sin because it's crouching at your door. And if you do not master sin, sin will become your master. So Judas, Jesus knows that the master of Judas is sin. But he still asks, he states the question and Judas responds, is it me master? He's going to God as the master, but the master of Judas is his sin. I believe you've just answered your own question. That's what Jesus says to Judas. I believe that you have already answered your own question. Verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread. He offered a blessing over the bread and then he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. This is my favorite part of this story because Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, which literally means house of bread. Jesus himself says that it is, and the Old Testament is so clear, it's the word of God and the bread of life. That Jesus, the coming, saving Emmanuel God, is both the word of life and the bread of life. Okay, so he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Jesus said, take this and eat, this is my body. I wanna tell you something about blessing. When it comes to bread, there is a required breaking of the bread in order for the blessing to be released. So Jesus is saying that my body on the cross must break in order that um, there will be a blessing. So oftentimes we have to understand that in this process of salvation, that the breaking is essential. The breaking comes before the blessing. The death comes before the resurrection. And death is so scary because we weren't created for death. You know what I'm saying? Everything in us will avoid death at all costs. We were not created for it, but we have to turn to the source of it. Otherwise, we're just working in our own strength. We avoid the breaking. We avoid the blessing. Okay, stay with me. Take this and eat. It is my body. Verse 27, and then he took the cup of wine. He made a blessing over it and he passed it around the table. So here's the deal. It's the breaking that releases the blessing. But then there's a passing of the blessing. There's a communal experience of the blessing. So he goes, I'm going to break it, release a blessing. And then he says, now I'm going to take the wine, which represents my blood, and I'm going to bless it and pass it. So the breaking is not just for your own blessing, but the breaking is the precursor to the blessing. And the wine, the, the blood of the lamb is the passing. Okay, stay with me. Jesus, take this drink, all of you. Verse 28, this is my blood of the new covenant. Now listen, if you, you, you can't get excited about a new covenant if you don't understand what the old covenant is. <laughs> the old covenant requires a blood sacrifice for sin. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna come, I am coming as the new covenant. And the new covenant is what? Which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It is the breaking of his body that releases the blessing. 
And it is the consumption of his blood, the washing over, the atoning sacrifice of the blood that is passed, right? After the breaking, the blessing is then passed because of the new covenant. And the new covenant is that you're forgiven. The new covenant is you're already atoned for. The new covenant is there was a final breaking so there could be a permanent blessing that could be shared. But you can't get there without the breaking. You can't get there without the death. You can't get to resurrection without a full death. And that is why Friday is good. The meal concluded together, all of the men sang a hymn of praise and thanksgiving, and they took the late evening walk to the Mount of Olives. Scripture says, this is Jesus speaking, I shall strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. Just so, each of you will stumble tonight, stumble and fall on account of me. Afterward, I will be raised up and I will go before you to Galilee. Peter says, Lord, maybe everyone else will trip and fall tonight, but I will not. I'll be beside you and I will not falter. Jesus says, if only that were true. In fact, this very night before the cock crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. Now, listen, I want to tell you something. There's a difference between betrayal and denial. There is a difference between betrayal and denial. Betrayal is when you have seen, sin has seized your mind and your heart and your motives, and so you're acting in a way that would support someone else's demise. That's betrayal. Denial is different. Remember in scripture, Jesus just said, if you were to betray me, it's worse than death. But he says here that you'll deny me. You'll deny me, you'll deny me, but he doesn't say you'll wish you were dead for it. There's a difference between betrayal and denial. Okay, I think denial, is 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 human betrayal is sin denial can potentially be some human okay say this no i won't deny you even if that means i have to die with you now listen jesus doesn't ask peter to die for him he asks him to keep his eyes open i love that jesus goes i'll never deny you i'll even die for you but when he's asked to do a simple thing he can't do it isn't that funny? We take broad swoops. I'll do anything for you, Jesus. It's like, I just asked you for the one thing and you can't just do the one thing. Continue with me. And each of the disciples echoed Peter. No way. I will never, ever deny you. I will die with you. At that, Jesus led the disciples to the place called Gethsemane. I'm going over there to pray. You sit here while I'm at prayer. And then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him, and he grew sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now listen, here's the deal. Not everyone needs to go with you everywhere. Jesus had 12 disciples. He chose, he sat them down at a distance and chose three to take a deeper walk with him. Amen? There are inner circles there are rings of intimacy with relationships so jesus doesn't take everyone he just takes three and he takes his favorites and he just takes the one who was proclaiming that he'll never deny him that he'll only die he'll die for him and so he takes him and his two other favorites and he goes and once he took them right once he took them that was the once he took them that was um 
sorry, I got distracted for a minute. That's when he became sorrowful and distressed. So he takes away and he becomes sorrowful and distressed in his circle of intimacy that he can trust. Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He walked a little further and finally fell prostrate and prayed. Here's the deal. There are places that God wants to go with you to resurrect things in you that you can only go alone. Let me say that to you again. You can only go it alone. I love when in the other gospel, I think it's John, that when Jesus goes into this place, he starts to sweat uh, blood. He starts to cry blood and an angel of the Lord comes to him and meets him in the epicenter of his death, of his grief, of his sorrow. There are places, listen to me, that before resurrection, you cannot go with anyone else. That it is just for you and just for Jesus. And you need to know that whatever he's asking you to give up, he already went the distance for you. This grief that he's experiencing right here, this, this sorrow, this overwhelm, this, this I have no strength, I can't believe that I have to be crucified and give myself up. I mean, think about his, his lot. Think about what his charge was. Think about what his orders were. But because he did this, because he did this, he knows everything that you would go through and he did it for you by proxy. This, this deep place of sorrow, you don't need to go there all the time. Sometimes it's required, but sometimes Jesus, we need to see in the story that Jesus did it and, and all of it. So the level in which we agree to participate with the death Certainly there'll be light in resurrection, but sometimes we like to stay down here. We like to get comfortable in it. We forget that the resurrection has already happened. We forget that we can identify with Christ, not just in his death, but in his resurrection. So that's why tomorrow's a big deal. That's why tomorrow is good news. It's Good Friday. Verse 42, it says, with that, Jesus returned to his secluded spot. Father, if there's no other way for you this cup to pass without my drinking it, then not my will, but yours be done. And again, Jesus returned to his disciples and found them asleep. This is the third time. And this is what's so interesting in all the scriptures. It says this. This is so weird. It says in verse 44, 43, uh, again, Jesus returned to his disciples and found them asleep. Their eyes were heavy lidded. And I'm like, Yeah. They were asleep. Like, I don't understand what that word, wh why that's in there, why it matters. So of course, etymology is my favorite. So I go to the root word and here's the word. They were asleep. The word asleep in the Greek is this, to yield to sin. To yield to sin. And it also means to be indifferent to one's salvation. So every time when Jesus is asking them to keep their eyes open, it's not that he doesn't want them to sleep and to rest. What he's saying to them is you, if you are asleep, you are, the word means you are yielding to sin and that you are indifferent to your salvation. 
He's not asking them to keep their eyes open because he doesn't want them to rest. He's saying to them, keep your eyes open so you do not fall into temptation. Temptation to sleep? No, temptation to yield to sin, to be indifferent to your salvation. Amen. And I think he's saying, listen, I'm going all the way for you. My favorite three, do you not see that I am going the distance for this? It also means uh, I, the word I in that scripture is of the mind, the faculty of knowing. I think Jesus wants them to see and to know what he is doing on their behalf because they have to have, a fa they have, to have eyes to see, amen. But with their eyes heavy-lidded, they're indifferent to the salvation. They're indifferent to what Jesus is doing. They don't have their faculty of knowing in, in what Christ is doing and what Christ has done. And then the word heavy in the scripture means to be burdened, to be weighed down or depressed. Their eyes were heavy lidden. He's saying, listen, keep your eyes open. Stay awake. Stay alive to your salvation. Do not become indifferent because you are knowing your knowledge is depressed. Your vision is depressed. Your vision is weighed down and burdened. Amen. But I love this because they're saying, I'll die for you. He's like, I'm not asking you to die for me. I'm asking you to keep your eyes open. To stay awake. To remember the, the, what I'm doing. Amen. I think salvation, come and do it for me. He goes, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to do it through you. I'm about relationship. But things just have to go all the way. Amen. So tomorrow, we'll talk about this even more with Good Friday. But I think it's important. We have to see ourselves in the story. We're the disciples and we're Jesus. We're not Jesus, you know what I'm saying? But he's our proxy. He's our example that when things go to die, we have to go to the inner part. Where we say, God, I can't give it up. Do I have to let it go? I'm overwhelmed with such grief so that the minister of the Lord, the angel of the Lord can come to you in those places. But that's not the end, amen? That's just the beginning of Jesus's betrayal and the passion and the zeal and the love of God, what he does tomorrow. All right, so join me tomorrow. I know that was a long one, but great. It's Holy Week. There's nothing more important than Jesus, period, but especially today and tomorrow and Sunday. So have a wonderful day. I hope to see you back tomorrow. Share this with your friends. Have a great day. Bye.